Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Matt Williamson here, coming right back at you for DK. Uh, I hope you've listened to the first couple podcasts I've done, just kind of sitting here at my bar, bellied up to the bar, chatting Steelers as we get into training camp right around the corner. I've gone through all the position groups on offense. Let's go to defensive side of the ball, which looks like the strength of the team, less questions there, less developmental aspects, but um, let's start with the defensive front. Really interesting to me, and as usual, I'm going to kind of start with the bottom of the depth chart type of guys, just throw some names at you, but I don't know that they're as important as most of these other positions. You know, the Davis brothers, Carlos and Khalil, now are both Steelers, and they're very similar. They're twins. Um, They are better athletic testers than they are football players. They both had really good combine numbers. They both have a history in track and field, you know, as as throwers, it was discus or shot putter, one of those. But it shows big, powerful, explosive athletes. But they're just not great football players. And those two, along with Henry Mondu, who's a little different, of course, I think are now going to be a thing of the past. You know, that you're not going to see snaps from those guys. You know, obviously there was a ripple effect last year with Tuit and a Lualu out. So everyone had to step up and everyone goes up a couple rungs on the ladder. But I think unless a lot of injuries occur early in the season or in camp, you're not going to hear the name Khalil Davis, Carlos Davis, Henry Mondu anymore, which I think is great. You know, the bottom of this position group is way better than what we saw last. And as for Mondu, I mean, he's also a good athlete. If you've noticed, he runs down on kickoffs, which is rare for a Steeler defensive lineman, Brett Kiesel-esque. Certainly plays hard. Limited, though. And the reality is these three really haven't done much and are borderline NFL players. They'll probably end up back on the practice squad or something like that. Or maybe they get a shot somewhere else. Either way, I don't think it matters as much anymore because of these seven guys I'm about to talk about. And pretty much through my whole lifetime, since the Steelers are running 3-4, and I'm an old man now, um, they've kept six. I think there's a real good chance they'll keep seven this year. And uh, we'll get into each one of these players. And one of them's a little bit more of a wild card to me than you guys might realize. So, We'll start with Montrevious Adams. Um, 
he's a quality backup nose that was a nice find last year. And again, fewer snaps is better for him. Um, to me, he's seventh here. If we're talking about all the defensive linemen, the six I'm going to talk about after him have more value. But he was a nice pickup for, you know, for nothing. You know, they brought him back and given him a little bit of money. I don't think he's a waiver wire guy. I don't think he gets cut. I don't know right the second he would be active on game day. But I think that he was not part of the run defense problems. You know, everyone blames nose tackles. I, I think he was closer to the solution than he was the problem, especially if he plays a lot less. Um, Isaiah Loudermilk. This guy is so intriguing to me because I'll come clean. You know, like I'm sitting there when they drafted him and I'm on the air. And I said, man, you know, I, some of it was my ignorance. I didn't know a ton about him. You know, he wasn't the combine. He was not a household name, not a household prospect. Um, and so I didn't done a lot of work at him at the time. And I thought, man, you're trading a pick around higher next year, which was this most recent draft, 2022, to get louder milk now. And my thoughts at the time, which didn't come to fruition, were because of COVID, there'd be a lot more players in this past draft than the louder milk draft and mid round picks will be worth more in this past draft. Well, I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but even though there was a lot more players in the draft, I thought the mid to late rounds in this past draft weren't very good, but that's a side note. So you got louder milk for an extra year. And because of the injuries, he had to play more and more. And I thought he digested that very well. I mean, what stands out, of course, about him are his, you know, his height, his dimensions. He looks like an old school 3-4 Steeler defensive end. But he's not quite as thick as, you know, Aaron Smith or let alone Cam Hayward or Tewitt or one of those guys. Um, you know, more of a lanky, long-limbed guy, but he locks people out well with those long arms. Doesn't get bullied because of high pads. He bends well enough. He can run. I think he has a future as an interior pass rusher, batting down balls, you know, beating, you know, single blocks from guards. I think Loudermilk has a bright future, and they brought him along kind of slow, but he just kept taking it and taking it and doing really well. So I think the arrow is really pointing up on him. Um, another one that I've kind of had mixed feelings about is Chris Warmly, and I'm talking positive about all these guys as if the run defense last year wasn't horrible. It was, but Warmly filled in well. I mean, he'll probably have more sacks last year than any time in his career. They'll probably look back and say that's a career year for him. But he's not a bad athlete either. I mean, even in his Michigan days coming out, he had some stand-up linebacker, you know, two-point stance stuff in his resume, even played some nose for the, the Ravens. And he's somewhere in between there. He's more of a, you know, 3-4 D end, in, in, which is exactly what the Steelers look for. Runs well. I think he's gotten better and better since he's been here. Quality player. Perfect example of a guy... I don't have a snap counts in front of me, but he's a perfect example of a guy that shouldn't play 60% of the snaps or whatever he did last year. He should play 30 and give Cam Hayward a full drive off that Cam didn't get before, you know, because he's not going to hurt you. And, you know, he, he's good enough. And if he's your fourth rotational D end or D lineman, you know, behind Ogunjobi, Alulu, Hayward. And folks, they really only play two of these guys at once. So being fourth is not like, you know, they're going to be in their, their three, four all the time. That He's a quality player too. You want him active on every game day, of course. He's going to play a lot, but hopefully less. So I'm sure you got, I hope, you know, you went to the site and you saw my write-up on DeMarvin Leal. 
and that'll explain it better than you know the podcast version here. He was a very curious pick to me because I've written this many times, I've said it many times. I don't think Dick LeBeau wants the Marvin Leal. I mean, I think Leal can rush the passer from a, an edge position. In minicamp, he was doing some drills. I mean, not like he was a outside linebacker, but he was doing some drills with guys like TJ Watt and, you know, uh, Alex Highsmith. He can bend the edge. He has sack production, but he's not a long lockout, you know, power player. He can get put, pushed around against the run. But as an edge player, he secures the, you know, the, the outside run quite well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. him is maybe him and Cam, especially before the Joby signing, would be your third and ten interior guys hand in the dirt next to him, you know, next to Cam with Highsmith and Watt on the edges. That's your front four on true passing situations. But I think there could be more. I mean, he's a guy that versatility is going to come up time and time again. And you look at, you know, there's, there's two new defensive minds here. I mean, Austin gets bumped up and Flores is going to have an impact. I think Flores would have loved DeMarvin Liao in Miami with moving guys around almost like an Ogba-type player for the, the Dolphins. I've kind of equated him to Michael Bennett. Remember him with Seattle? A power base end that'll push around tight ends, but not super explosive. So, I mean, there's a chance he washes out, but he's a different style D lineman. And in a way, you've probably heard this analogy that you want you know, your receivers to be like a basketball team. You don't want all different skill sets. You don't want a big guy. You want a little you know, little uh, shifty guy, you know, catching the ball. Well, I think this, this defensive line now has that, you know, that if you're playing Cincinnati, who throws the ball a high percentage of the time out of three receiver sets, Leal might get a lot of snaps as a pure interior upfield pass rusher. But if you're playing the Browns, especially without Watson or the Ravens with as much as they run the ball, Maybe he lines up outside and spells, you know, Highsmith and and Watt a little bit. There's a hole there behind those guys as we speak. So a big power player on the edge. So versatile chess piece. So interesting guy for sure. The top three, I think you guys know a lot about. I'll tell you more about Ogan Joby. He's another guy in my series of all the new Steelers. I think you'll enjoy that article. It was a good one about Ogan Joby. I think they were very fortunate that a player like that was available at that price, you know, post to it retirement, um, all kinds of experience in the division, powerful up the field player. He's still developing too, but coming off his best season, I think he'll get sacked production um, better against the pass than the run, which 
is what these guys want. It's what the whole league wants, folks. I mean, the days of Casey Hampton and Space Eaters are pretty much gone, and they're absolutely gone on this defense. He's not a nose. He's much more of a three-technique Warren Sapp-type player to me than he is anything we've seen here recently. And as I say about Liao, I don't think, you know, Dick LeBeau would be interested in Ogan Joby. You know, he's much more of a 4-3 front, which is what the Steelers mostly play, folks. Um, Alu-Alu was missed a great deal. Uh, he's up in age. I'd love to see his snap count stay low and pretty much only play in, in a true 3-4 scheme, which again is like, 25-30% of the snaps. Um, I think that Liao and Ogunjobi should go past Alu-Alu as your two interior pass rushers on you know, throwing situations, which is most downs now, folks. Um, but you need him back. He can hold the point. He was sorely missed. I mean, the, the run defense clearly would have been better if he's in there. Does the dirty work. Tough, experienced, well-liked, smart, all those things. And that all has a lot of value. Keep his snap count low, though, and, you know, give the Warmleys and Louder Milks and Liao's and those guys more snaps or even Adams here and there if you are in your 3-4. Try to get a full productive season out of Tyson, which I think is very possible. What's left to say about Cam Hayward? I mean, I thought this was his best season, which is a mouthful. I mean, I thought he was awesome this year because of all the dirty work he did. You know, I mean, every team's doubling him snap after snap and cutting them and, you know, hitting them from all directions. And he's holding up and still making plays. And sometimes he'd line up on the nose and he's, he's gotten so much better at deflecting passes. I always wonder if that's a Watt thing. It's, you know, JJ and TJ talking to Cameron about, you know, batting down passes. And he's gotten really good at that. The best leader on the team. Um, but he's up in age too. I mean, this isn't going to last forever. Um, it's hard to take one of your best players off the field, but I'd love to see his snap count decrease by 10%, something like that. You know, the, the third drive of the game, he just doesn't play, you know, you sorry, you gotta, you gotta sit out for one drive more than you usually do per game. Cause we have some guys now, Loudermilk, Wormley, those type of dudes, but he's a star. I mean, you, you see a lot of rankings this time of year. And if you look at just defensive tackles, which really the Steelers are, I mean, the 3-4 DN versus nose stuff is is garbage anymore. I mean, they're defensive tackles. They line up inside the tackles. Aaron Donald's the only one in the league I would clearly take over Cam Hayward. I mean, there's guys like Justin Simmons and Chris Jones and DeForest Buckner that I put right on the same tier as Cam. But he's more consistent physical than all those guys. Um, he's a total star. I mean, I don't think you need me to tell you that. Um, again, defensive front includes edge guys. You know, I mean, call them outside linebackers. They don't back the line at all. Of course, that's TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Um, I guess we'll start with the top on these guys and then trickle down to some of the others. Uh, you don't need me to tell you anything about TJ Watt. I mean, he's a remarkable player. They invested all that money in him as well you should. That's what you do when you have stars. Um, he's on a Hall of Fame pace, folks. I mean, so I, I don't think you guys need me to tell you much about TJ. And even his sack production was so often against a, a chip from a tight end, beat the tackle, and then run through the back. You know what I mean? Like, that's rare, rare stuff.
Highsmith, but I don't think we're out of the woods yet of he's over the hump, he's good, he's a high-quality starter. I, I expect him to get there. I really like his get-off. I think his improvement shows time and time again. I think he's always going to be Robin to TJ's Batman. You know, we've seen some edge tandems here in the past. Who's better, Lloyd or Green or, you know, Gildan Porter, yada, 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 all the way down, Harrison. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's the two, but that's fine. I mean, he's going to get one-on-one matchups against left tackles all year long. And I want to see him win a little bit more of those matchups. I mean, I think his run run edge defense is fine, could get a little better. But I'm a Highsmith guy. It doesn't sound like it by my tone, I guess. But uh, I am very much a Highsmith guy. But here's where I get concerned, is I really wish they had one more. I know Melvin Ingram didn't work out, but you could go get Justin Houston or somebody like that now to play that exact same role, try it again with a veteran that's been around the block. The third guy here is concerning to me. I mean, Derek Tuska, to me, is a four. Tuzar Skipper is a journeyman. He's back with the team, if you didn't know. Um so those guys are probably fighting for that fourth spot. You don't want them to be the three. Ideally, they're really a five slash special teamer. They're okay, but they're highly rep- replace, you know, highly replaceable. Last name to talk about on today's podcast, though, is a very interesting one. Is Jannard Avery? Um, this signing really went under the radar, and I can't remember during the free agents, you know, flurry when it was, but it wasn't talked about a lot. He's on his third team now, you know, Eagles and Browns. Loved him coming out of school. He's a tweener, and I know the word tweener is not as negative as it used to be, positionless football, all those things, because when I say he's a tweener, he's kind of a Timmons, Chad Brown. I'm trying to think. There's a couple in Steelers history. Arthur Motes. I have a buddy, Arthur Motes, that has played – True off-the-ball linebacker in the 3-4 and true edge pass rusher, edge defensive end outside linebacker in the 3-4. And he's done both in his career. Uh, He tested really well to combine. He's very explosive. He's not particularly tall, which they don't care about on their edge guys. They don't all have to be 6'5 and look like DeMarcus Ware. I mean, they'll take the thicker, stumpier dudes. And he's explosive. Again, he runs well. He's a good pass rusher, not a great one. My hunch is right now, and this isn't as clear to me as I wish it was, that they look at him as that number three outside linebacker. But you could also take him off the ball and get him matched up as an A or B gap blitzer. And he's more than just a blitzer. He's a pass rusher. Um, Get him If you can get him anytime matched up on running backs through scheme and blitz packages where, you know, a double goes to TJ or Cam and he comes free against the back, he'll eat that stuff up. Um, I do worry, and that's why I brought up the Ingram, Houston, those type of things, is if either Watts or Highsmith miss time, and I think counting on them for 17 games, and TJ pulls himself out of games a lot because he plays so hard anyway, that if you ask Avery to play... You're a start to finish, play every snap guy this week. I think that's where you start to run its course. I think he's a specialty player. This is a weird comparison, but I, I think if you look at him this way, as he's almost like a a third down back, you know, a, a James White or somebody like that. That sure you can give him a carry here and there, but he does his damage doing his own thing, and it's not really, and it's sort of a specialized role for certain instances. It's not a snap after snap after snap, just workhorse type of dude. 
So he's interesting. I'm glad he's on the team. If Jack or Bush doesn't work out, he potentially could get in that conversation. But in a way, he's a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. But I do like his traits, and I like the staff to kind of get some more out of him. He's been reasonably productive, too. He gets to the quarterback year after year, and I'm sure he'll be a demon on special teams. I mean, I can just envision him running down on punts and kickoffs and all that and making plays in that regard. But there's not a lot, not a lot here on the outside. I mean, I, I really don't care about Skipper, and maybe he makes a team. I know he's back with the group. I mentioned Tuska. He's really just a guy. So I would love to see them add one more edge dude who's kind of just a, a home, uh, you know, a brand name guy that's been around the block that doesn't need to play a lot of snaps, you know, maybe has some leadership traits. You know, I know the Ingram thing didn't work out, but that doesn't mean that it's a terrible idea going forward. So that would be one thing I'd be kind of looking at the waiver wire, you know, second week of camp after getting a better feel for Avery and Tushka and those guys. Maybe they make a move like that, call a veteran up that's not super excited about, you know, all the dog days of camp come a little late, you know, spe uh, specialist type. But that's the front. Uh, that's the defensive front in a nutshell. Pretty good group. Um, you'd love to have to it, but I think Ogan Joby fills in is better than ex you could expect. Of course, as at the this is the case with every position this time of year, you hope for better health and, you know, heaven forbid if Cam or TJ were to go down, this would look much, much different, but there aren't many, you know, defensive fronts. And again, this is kind of a five man front, four man front, whatever you want to call it that I would take over this group. And obviously Watt carries a lot of weight there too, but I think you, you got my, excitement, exuberance for the true D, D lineman. The guys are going to go to the defensive line meeting room. I think there's seven dudes now, and I would expect those guys to be used in waves. I mean, almost think of hockey lines, you know, bring these two on, bring these two off. You know, uh, Bama has so many of those guys and every college in the league is jealous of just bringing in 300 pounders fresh off the, off the bench after, the, you know, you're playing against offensive linemen that have already played 50 snaps in a row. So I would expect more of a rotation, more of a diversified usage, more versatility from their big guys. I wish they had one more edge dude. So I'm Matt Williamson. Follow me on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. Check out all my articles on the site. They've been a blast. And we will be going to camp here pretty soon. All right. Over and out.